Hey friends, welcome back to the channel. If you're new here, welcome to the Writerly Lifestyle community. On this channel, we explore the strategies and tools that help writers and creatives live happier, richer, and more productive lives. We're here to prove that creative careers are more than hobbies and that making a good living isn't just possible, it's probable. So make sure you subscribe to join the Writerly Lifestyle community because you're not gonna wanna miss this. Hey everybody, welcome to part two of this interview. Today I'll be continuing my conversation with David Metzger. David has worked as a pediatric oncology nurse at UCSF Children's Hospital for 12 years. The bravery, laughter, perseverance, and the many smiles of the children and their parents who he has worked with have inspired this project. His book, Nurse Papa, is a prescriptive and heartwarming book written from the perspective of a pediatric oncology nurse who is also a father. The Meditations Within are directed at parents and all people who are looking to ask and answer some of life's big questions. You will laugh, you will cry, and you will learn about yourself. In part one of this interview, we talked about finding balance in stories, how to keep creating what no one seems to notice, and his less than desirable publishing experience. In the second part of this interview, we're going to chat about how he honed his writing skills, a definitive way to break through writer's block, and his advice for young professionals and parents who want to write a book. So as someone who wrote a book, but is kind of outside that traditional English creative writing background, mm -hmm. how did you go about honing your writing skills? Gosh, that was hard. Um, we always talk about, I mean, I hear that people talk about showing, not telling. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've always been well-read. Um, you know, before I had kids, I would write, excuse me, I would read, you know, seven or eight books at a time. I would just flip through them. It would just, that would be my narcotic, right? I just love reading. I haven't read a book for five years now since I started writing one. Um, so I think I'm in that way, I'm trained to know what is good writing, but mm -hmm. it took lots and lots of editing to get where I wanted to go. And I think I had lots of words put together that sounded beautiful and described a situation. But as my first editor, who was also the person I'm married to, told me, many times, dude, you just got to go deeper. Like you got to find what's important about this thing you're writing about. You know, because there's so many times in the book where I, I go to such pains to describe in minute detail, you know, what's happening in a room, but I would forget to talk about how I felt about it or how it really related to humanity. And that was a real education in learning how to make writing or my subject accessible to whoever was going to read it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I learned how to write a book by writing a book. <laughs> Which is probably the worst way to find out. But I feel like it is the way that everyone kind of finds out, right? I mean, At least you, the first book. <laughs> yeah, right? You learn by doing. Yes. Um, that's the way it went. We'll see if there's number two. In, you know, <laughs> there might be, but my wife can't know about it yet because, man, she went through five years of my neurotic just breakdowns. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's kind of my next question too. And we've talked a little bit about this with, you know, having, having small children. And I, I'm sure one of the things that a lot of people are thinking about as they're listening is, you know, how did you find the time? What was your day-to-day -day life like when you were working on this book? Oh man, it requires a certain amount of narcissistic vision. I mean, you just got to believe in your vision and that you are good enough. Um, one thing, and I'm sure that you've started to experience this with your first child, is that you, as a parent, you become a master of like fitting in the work when you can. Like if I, if my 
daughter was down for 10 minutes or occupied, I would just like disappear to the computer and just like get in whatever time I could get. And, you know, it's so funny, you know, I assume most of the people who are, who are listening to this are writers or they're fans of writing, but you know, there's this thing called writer's block and I've never had it. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. I can just sit down and write. Like mm. part of what I think happens with me is I am constantly writing in my head. Like it's just like typing going on in my mind. And when I can actually sit down and write, it just comes out. I mean, sometimes it's shit, but it comes out. And so, you know, it, I feel like I, you just, you just fit it in. You just make it happen. Yeah. I, I feel that so much because I, uh, I mean, I think now back to before kids and even, you know, um, uh, when I, the year out of college, like I was like looking for a job and I couldn't find one and I had kind of all this time and I feel like I wasted it. Like I oh, like almost I... like if I had less time, like if now that I have less time, yeah. I'm actually more productive somehow. Cause I think that's true. Like those 10 minutes feel infinite. Yeah. In a I way that a yeah. whole day just you waste. I so, so deeply relate to what you just said. It hurts my liver. I mean, <laughs> I would I would gosh, I would have a whole day in front of me when I was single without kids and a day I wasn't working because you know, I was I'm a nurse. So there'd be many days where I'm just like hanging out, looking for something to do. And I would mm -hmm. fill that day with so much crap that was not productive. Um and now I am just laser laser on what needs to get done it kind of takes the humor out of my life like i wish i had that i'm looking forward to this time that i'm not writing a book that i can actually i don't know go out into the backyard and read a book or just hang out or play my ukulele without like thinking oh gosh i gotta record another podcast or i got mm -hmm. to finish another chapter but um yeah having the pressure of parenthood and just like time commitments on your back it is, it does wonders for your productivity, at least yeah. for mine. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I mean, I, I look back fondly at those times. I'm like, what, how many, how many movies did I really need to watch? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how many games of ultimate Frisbee did I play? Exactly. <laughs> like what, what was I doing? Yeah. Now uh, that I have bad knees, I all, all I can do is write. <laughs> ah, there you go. Well, that's one way to, to <clears throat> keep your butt in the chair, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so if you were, if you were talking to like a busy professional, someone with young kids, new parent, but they, they really had that passion to dry, uh, to write a book like, like you did. What's maybe like the one piece of advice about writing and publishing a book that you could give them like that one thing that you really think they should hold on to? I mean, it depends on the kind of book you want to write. I think if you're writing a nonfiction, you have to have the experience for it. Uh, you need to find something that you're completely passionate about that you think other people should be passionate about too. Um, so, and then also just don't give up. I swear, man, I've, I've had so many people tell me that this is not going to work, that you can't do this, that it's not something that people want to see. And, you know, I took that bad energy and would just be very depressed. And then I just said, fuck it. And just kept on going, you know, it would lead to these incredible like sine waves of depression and happiness, just trying to like maintain my forward movement. But like, in an actual emotionally healthy person, I think that it could actually keep you going because re rejection is actually really, really good because mm -hmm. at least for some of those moments when I was rejected in the, in the early parts of this book, I deserved it. Like the writing wasn't there yet, but you know, it did get there, but it took some time and it took lots of people who 
knew what they were doing to tell me that what I had was not good, good enough yet. And then even when I did, did have the good enough, people still rejected me. But at least I knew I had the goods at that point. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. What you said is, is you know, sometimes this rejection and this feedback and the, the, even the negative feedback is warranted and sometimes it's not. And, and sometimes like trying to navigate that and slog through those those that feedback yeah it's gotta be i mean it's gotta be challenging and difficult and uh you know you never really know like is this the one that is right and i'm actually have no idea what i'm doing or is this person just standing in my way and i need to to power through yeah Um, it's impossible to know you have to believe in your vision and you know we all have just one life to live as far as i know i mean i'm i don't really know what happens after you die but i want to make it worth it like i don't want to just like sit around watching Netflix. I, I want to do something. I do. I do do lots of that. <laughs> I want to do something that's important. Can you maybe think back to a time because we're, we're talking about like those that kind of that feedback uh, where you you know you you felt yeah. like giving up. Was there a time that was like felt particularly difficult that you really thought like okay oh, this yeah. is it this is the breaking point this is the point where I just I just give up and I don't I don't yeah continue. it I can tell you exactly what happened. So I was very close to getting this book published by um, a pretty well-known publisher. It was, you know, I got a contact and I'm not going to tell you who this publisher was because, um, you know, confidentiality. Um, (laughs) But uh, it was a personal contact and I got the head of this publishing company to read my book. Mm. And I thought I was just banking everything on getting this book published with this really cool publisher. And the woman called me after she read the book and she said, you know, she broke the news that she didn't think that this was a book that parents could benefit from, which was the whole point of my book. Mm. And I immediately had this intense stomach pain. Mm. It was the craziest psychosomatic reaction to bad news for a week after that. I had, I thought I had an ulcer and I didn't connect this rejection to my, my bodily pain. Cause it happened like an you know, actually it happened like an hour after I hung up with her. Um, and gosh, I'll never forget that, (laughs) that feeling of complete helplessness and just how somebody not believing in you can just completely mess your body up. Like it it was a real connection between mind and body. I'll, I'll never forget it. Wow. I mean, that, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine in that moment. I mean, if you, if you could go back in time and, and you had like 30 seconds to talk to yourself right after that phone call, what would you say? What do you think you'd say? I'd say play with your son, <laughs> play with your daughter. Like mm. nothing else, nothing else matters. You know, um, the, the older I get and the more interaction I have with my kids, I see how much, how much of everything else is just bullshit. I mean, it's nice that I wrote a book. It's nice that people are enjoying the book and that's, you know, changing their perspective and changing the way they look at life. But all that's important to me is like hanging out with my son and playing Legos and listening to his, him tell me a story about a red car. I mean, like whatever it is that he's into, I'm into. And my daughter too, like you just have to like realign your priorities at some point. And um, utter rejection is a good way to do that. Okay, I want to pause here because David said something that really made me think about my own priorities. 
As a parent of a young child, I'm guilty of feeling relieved when my daughter sleeps in late or decides to take a longer than normal nap. And if she takes a short nap or gets up early, I'm often overwhelmed by the work that needs to get done. I'm constantly living for her bedtime because I know it means I'll have an hour to get something done. But I think I need to work on realigning my priorities, being fully present in those moments. I mean, even before I had kids, I'd often find myself out with friends or at dinner with my wife and thinking about my writing time, obsessing over it, wondering if I was doing the right thing by watching a movie. <laughs> and thanks to this book, Nurse Papa, and this conversation with David, I'm going to try to adjust my mindset, be fully present when I have time with my daughter, even if it is at 2 a.m. and she's refusing to sleep. So think about those moments that really matter to you. Think about what connections you value in your life and ensure you're being fully present for them. In the second half of this interview, listen to how David measures success and think about how you might measure your own success in whatever it is that you're pursuing. How are you looking at this book in terms of measuring success? I mean, have you, have you thought mm. at all about what success means to you? So um, I think that's a really good question because in this literary climate, you have to realign with what success means, right? Because um, this book is never going to make me any money. I don't think so. I mean, unless Oprah finds it um, or Reese Witherspoon, I don't know, whoever, whoever needs to find this book and right. make it popular. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? And maybe it will, but I'm not banking on it. Um, so how I considered it successful is basically, I think it's two things. One, do I feel like it's, a, it's true? that I wrote something that, um, you know, is honest and compelling and feels like a, a good product. And I do. And the second thing is, you know, of the people who read it, what do they think? Like, does it have to be 20,000 people who read it? Or am I okay if it's just 2000 people and they all seem to like it more or less? Um, it's definitely not a financial gain. So that's not how I'm going to measure my success. Honestly, I have enough money. I have a job. That's why one of the reasons I have a job and I, you have a job too, right? You're a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that you're also interested in like, you know, in having writing be part of a supportive lifestyle, but I think you're also realistic enough to know that that path is extremely difficult. So having the end point being I'm gonna make lots of money off this book is not not for me. Hell, if I make any money off this book, it's going straight into pediatric cancer funds. Like mm. I don't need I don't need the money. Mm. It's so true what you say about how I feel like I don't know. It almost feels like the more the people who have success measure their book with success and the people who just love writing measure it by the impact that it has, right? It it's you know, it doesn't matter if 20,000 people buy it and, and I mean, that's great, but if they don't read it and they don't benefit and it doesn't change their life, then like, what, what was it for? Exactly. Ways, right. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think, I, I feel like for nonfiction, especially that's, uh, that's maybe the way to uh, approach it because you're, you're doing something so powerful and so personal that it's probably much more, and it seems like it's true for you, much more about the connection you're having with a reader than the physical number of readers that you have. Yeah. And I also really just, I mean, I, I'm an artist. Like before I was a nurse, I was a sculptor and a painter. And then I became a nurse and I became a writer too. And I just want to leave something 
I, I want to do something that has meaning and is honest. And if I can do that, then I feel like I've been successful. How do you find having having that background, that like kind of artistic background? How has that helped you in your professional life as a, as a nurse? I mean, it's been really valuable um, in two ways. I'll tell you a story. So I I remember when I was a new nurse, um, there was a a new diagnosis hemophilia patient who came in and he was like seven years old and he was having a really hard time. And I remember I drew him a picture, uh, two pictures. One was of Scooby-Doo and the other was of a monster truck. And he requested both those. 10 years later, I'm walking down the hall and this mom stops me and she says, are you David? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, um, you drew my son these pictures and they're still in our refrigerator. And like, and that just like broke my heart in the best possible way. Cause I'm like, I was just being myself with this kid and just being artistic and he just truly appreciated it. So there's that, you know, just being able to like engage with the kids as an artist and they love that. But the other thing is, you know, as an artist, you're taught to engage with the, your environment. You're, you're supposed to be an observer and you're supposed to funnel that those observations into something larger. When I walk into a hospital room and I see a kid, I'm always just observing what's going on, what's going on with them physically, what's going on with them emotionally and psychologically, and trying to put that together into a picture and helping frame how I'm going to you know, have my care for them. And I think part of my training as an artist, not in school, by the way, just me being an artist mm. is what has helped me excel at that. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed too a, a lot of what you write about, or a fair amount anyway, like it wrapped around like music too, and and the way yeah. that you kind of engage <clears throat> music with patients. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a trained musician either. <laughs> just like my writing, I I picked up an ukulele when I was 25 and just taught myself how to play it and how to. Um, and how to write songs. And that's just since then, it's been part of my life. I'm just a musical person. And I wish I had the training when I was younger. So you know, to back that up, but I don't. But I think that's just another way of engaging with people. And it's been super valuable for me just to have that element of, of music to engage with the patients. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's a rhythm that you get playing an instrument. And I think that helps you kind of have a rhythm to your life as well. Mm. Yeah, it feels like such like a visceral uh, human interaction in, in a place that feels, I don't know, like almost like not, not not human, but like a hospital sometimes feels so sterile and non-emotional. And yeah. like, I feel like music brings a, like a really unique uh, feel to that environment in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I, you know, it's not my job to bring music to the, to the patients. We actually have this amazing music therapist who works on our floor. And man, I just love being in the room when he engages with the patients, like just getting a little bald kid with leukemia in a hospital gown, banging on a drum. Like it is, like you said, it's a visceral experience. They just like, they need that banging, that rhythm in their lives. And it is profound, the effect that music can have on kids who are sick. And kids who are healthy too. Yeah. Are there any resources that you suggest for aspiring writers? Uh, anything that helped you along the way? So um, I've been thinking about that. And one book that I really love, and I'm sure you've read it, is uh, Stephen King's On Writing. Yeah. It is just a fabulous memoir that it kind of just takes you to 
you know, back to when he was a young nobody writer and his process and which is basically unchanged since he wrote his first book. I think it was Carrie that came out. That was his first big book. I just loved that template for a writer. And, you know, I'm not a fiction. Well, you know, I take that back. I have written fiction, but never in book form. But I think as a nonfiction writer to have these tools and many of the tools that he talks about are really important because, you know, development of character, use of dialogue, these are all things that you use as a nonfiction writer. Mm. It's just you know, what you happen to be writing about is true, but you still have to make it interesting. Mm. So that's just an amazing book. I would suggest it to anybody. Um, Stephen King de definitely does not need your dollars, but he, he should have them because he's such a great writer. I've read pretty much every one of his books. Um, yeah, he's, he's so, uh, I feel like it, anybody who reads has read Stephen King, which is so weird when it comes to, when you think about like horror genre, it feels very yeah. specific, but like he gets it. Read Stephen King. He, <laughs> he gets it, you know, cause so many of his books are about kids mm. and there's like something so universal about the experience of being a child that we all want to just go back to and understand. You know, I have read it, his book called it about 10 times. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of your listeners have read it, but it's like 900 pages. Like it's a real commitment every time. I was going to say, I, just, I, I battled through it once. I mean, I loved it, but it is long and I made it through once and I, I can't imagine doing, doing it a couple yeah. more times. Yeah. Well, you told me that you, you, at least you wrote in your review of my book that you prefer to kind of read a book in as, um, few sittings as possible. So I imagine I that book was challenging for you. And it sounds like my book was challenging for you in that way as well. And then I was thinking another resource and, you know, it's not particularly a writing resource, but there's this movie that I just saw for the second time. It's called About Time. And it's all about this. Have you seen that movie? Mm -mm, no, it's great. It's an English movie. And it's all about this um, man who discovers that the one gift in his family line is that all the men can go back in time and change their lives. And it is just this brilliant, just portrayal of family and pain and emotion. And it just like made me laugh and made me cry and made me feel very human. So I think that absorbing other art, movies, film, books, whatever, can really help writers develop their own ideas and kind of develop their own emotions. Mm. Yeah, I think that, that those are two great uh, and different but great great uh resources i'm gonna have to check that out yeah um, what's maybe if there's one thing uh kind of wrap up our conversation here if there's one thing that you think people should take away from this conversation what would you want that kind of one thing to be uh, buy my book <laughs> just kidding uh honestly if you don't have any money i will send you my book for free um i'll send you a digital copy whoever's listening if you want uh, to read my book, Nurse Papa, and you just feel like you can't, you know, get the funds, the five ninety nine for the Kindle, um, I will send you a free copy. Um, I think just share your art. I mean, it, that's what we're all here for, to like relate to each other as humans and to understand one another and benefit from our experience and our sadness and our joy. Just share it. I mean, if somebody wants it, give it to them. You know, one thing I've learned as a nurse and as a human is that it feels so goddamn good to help people and to give. You know, we do have a limited amount of emotional energy in our tanks and you will use it up. I certainly use it up most days of my life, <laughs> but you know, what you got, give it. And it feels good. Yeah, 
really powerful message. Uh, so kind of my last question for you is where can people find you? Where do you want people to look you up? Um, so you can go to my website, uh, nursepapathebook.com to find out about my book. You can also um, purchase it on Amazon. You can find my podcast, which is also called Nurse Papa on Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you listen for podcast for. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, I live in great. Oakland, so if you want to come to my house, you can just come to Oakland. There you go. Uh, and I'll, I'll link to all those uh, for, for people listening in the in the notes so you can find them and um, and find David. Uh, obviously, this has been uh, such an awesome conversation. And, you know, we connected before I read the book, actually. And um, after I read it, I was like, and I think you're right. Like it just at this time in my life was as a as a parent of young kids, it just really it really did a number on me. And, and I, I think um, it, it's such a great book for parents and for parents of young kids and for new parents just to make you feel like you're not the only one out there who's who's screwing it up but trying really really hard at the same time <laughs> yeah no it's funny I, I really appreciate what you're doing with writerly um i don't even know how i got your, how your email ended in, in my box it just did and i could see i could see the authenticity through that email that you really were interested in community and helping people and really exploring the art of writing. And, you know, you were so welcoming um, in agreeing to read my book. I just, I kind of was thinking that you thought, might think I was crazy just offering you my book. Cause like how often do strangers just say, Hey, read my book. <laughs> not, not often enough actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time to, to chat and, and hopefully this, uh, this brings you some readers and, and most importantly, it, it brings you some some people who can appreciate what you're putting out there because i certainly do i really appreciate it thanks so much for hanging out with nurse papa and me as i'm sure you could tell david and i really connected over our writing aspirations while parenting or parenting aspirations while writing i guess it kind of depends on how you look at it if you have someone in your life who wants a writing career but feels just too busy to get it done whether they have a career or they're a parent please share this episode so that they know they're not alone. Next week, we'll chat with accomplished copywriter Nikki Krasik, a filthy rich writer. She was so much fun to talk to, and if you want a job where you wake up every day and write for really good money, you're gonna wanna make sure you listen. I'll see you next week.